Just entered the building with your boys, King and Shane. Welcome to Shop Talking Random Ish, where conversation rules the nation and no topic is off limits. You know, this ain't nothing but healthy oh, that's why. Yeah. Now, welcome your hosts, Rick King and Will Sang. Greetings, Atlanta, America, Worldwide Internet. Thank you for tuning in to WWE 1100 AM, The Real. You are Shop Talking Random Bitch with King Insane and the lovely Starlight. I am Will Sane. It's your boy Rick Kang. I am in the building. I am on the boards. I am behind the glass. I am. I shall be. I am. The lovely Starlight is in the building. Hello, hello, hello. I am also behind the board. The super duper producer Greg is in the building. Greg, say what up? G. Can we hear you? I got you. I got you about as loud as you gonna go. <laughs> Yo, uh, <laughs> Rick, do your thing. Y'all know what this is. This ain't nothing but some good old fashioned barbershop style conversation. And this him barbershop, no conversation is taboo. We ain't got but one rule and one rule only in this him barbershop. Will, what is that rule? That rule is say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't be mean when you say it. Starlight, please tell the people what to do. If you would like to call in, the number is 404-603-8770, or... If you're in your mammy basement, basement, please let her know this is not one of them freaky deaky numbers. Please let her know it's not 9999999999. Please let her know we will not get freaky deaky tonight. But just in case, the number is toll free and on us. You can call us at one 926 7562. And you can also find us right now on YouTube Live. You can also find us on Facebook Live. You can also catch us on Google Play Podcast. You can catch us on Apple Podcast. You can catch us on Audible Podcast. You can catch us on Amazon Music. You can also catch us on Spotify. And to catch us right now, it is T A L K, comma up top. Apostrophe. That's T A L K, comma up top. Apostrophe. And that's talking random ish. Y'all know what time it is. The shop is now open. Greg, can we hear you? Nope. Nope. Can you? Now, can you hear me now? Nice. Let's do this thing. We got good people in the house tonight. Hey, so. Hello, everybody. Welcome, everybody. Glad to have everybody in the shop tonight. Hey, what's going on? Got some super-duper guests in the house, some family in the house. Got family back in the building. Fellas, go around the room. Tell us your names, please. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Pastor John Menefee. What's going on? This is uh, Maury William Brown. Well, y'all show wheels on. Whispering like y'all scared, like y'all scared to be in the bubble oh, shop tonight. Nice. What's the problem? Hey man, I, I wasn't, I wasn't here for sound check. Some of them had some long days. <laughs> what's the problem? I got a lot of preaching to do this uh, weekend. Man, hey, yes, I, look. Y'all thinking about what's coming on this, coming up this Sunday? 
What's going on? I mean, come on now. I know, I know this Good Friday. Hey, man, I just came in. I just came in armored up for y'all. Hey, man. Gotta have my game face on, man. You sure know. <laughs> sure know if you got to come with it. Hey, come on. We got, we got plenty of questions from the heathens tonight. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, the heathens. We all know you, you, are, you are the heathen spokesman. Hey, man, we got some of the heathens. <laughs> they, they chimed in with a question or two. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, we just want to have a great conversation. How you brothers been doing? Man, I've been good, dude. Okay, okay. Living, man, doing well. Uh, surviving this uh, pandemic. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Fresh off this second COVID vaccine, man. So. Oh, you done took the second? You done took them? Yeah, man. I took it uh, Thursday, man. So, so how you feeling? In fact, my mom's took it Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, that, 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 the first vaccine was cool, man. The second one hits hard, dude. That's what everybody it, 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 Hey, man, it's a hitter, dude. Who did you get? Who did you do? Uh, I got the Pfizer. Pfizer? Okay. Yeah. I heard something about Johnson & Johnson has like uh, a whole heap of them. Contaminated it. And so, really? Yeah. I heard Johnson wow. and Johnson. Uh, you only have to do one. You only have to do one now? Yeah. Somebody. That's what. That's what the brother told me. Said he only had to take it one. Okay. Johnson but, and Johnson. But you take it? No, I haven't taken. You haven't taken it. You taking it? I, I I don't plan on taking it. Right <laughs> now. Not that I'm against anybody taking it, but I, you know I don't plan on taking it uh, anytime soon. I mean. Could change in the future, but I don't plan on doing anything. Right I, I feel you, man. I'm like that too. I'm like if everybody else take it, I don't need to take it. Well, I don't take it's that. I, like, I'm not taking that approach. Um, it's just for me. I mean, I think it's just it's like voting. Yeah. To me, it's like uh, it's a you know whatever choice you decide to to go with. Yeah. You know, if if somebody decided to do it, that's their personal thing. Um, but for me, it's just personally. I just I have never had a flu shot. You know, so it's it's kind of the same thing for me. It's like the flu, yeah. or you know, or whatnot. So I've never been sick. You know, like that outside of a common cold, but um, you know, I know some people feel more comfortable yeah. uh, with, with with taking the vaccine. Yeah, the so. thing is, you can't die from the flu like you doing for like people dying. Well, I don't, I don't know. So a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people have died from the flu. That is true. That you is know? true. So it just it just all depends on what your conviction is and, okay. and your comfort in that. So that's what you tell your parrot. What was it? Parrot parishioners. Hey, y'all, my, no. my vocabulary is gonna be slurred. <laughs> And messed up tonight. I'm going ahead and put that out there right now. So your parishioners. So your parishioners no. come to you and say, hey, Moray. I'm going to call you Moray Williams. I just had. Moray I mean, William. I, do I, should I take it or should I not? What, I leave what it does God to, tell I, I leave it up to them. I, I, I don't think this is a God tell you okay. type thing. I think it's just um, if it's your decision and that's what you want to do, who am I to tell you not to take it? You know, who am I to tell you to take it? Yeah. You know, so I think at the end of the day, um, my parishioners have, have not asked. Yeah. You know, what should I do? And I haven't even expressed it over the pulpit okay. about what to do. I My whole thing is, um, with anything, I think it's a, it's a, it's a walk of faith. Yeah. And you just have to trust uh, every day. We breathe in all kind of bacterias and, and stuff every day. Um, but at the end of the day, if someone who is older, um, maybe in their 60s or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, if that's something that they choose to do, or you, you can be young. I mean... It just to me it just it just boils down to what you feel your choice you need to do for you and your household. But other than that, I'm not I'm not pushing against it. I'm not pushing forward. I know a lot of people pushing against it. Yeah, they're saying it's like the Tuskegee experiment and things like that. But uh, for me, I don't I don't spend too much time. We got I think that we have a lot of problems um, within our within our community as black people yeah. um, that we can talk about more so than 
should you or shouldn't you take the vaccine? That's just my, my, my perspective. What about you, Pastor John? You feel like if your parishioners come to you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about the same about as the same? Uh, Brother William, man. I think, uh, you know, people should do the research, yeah. um, you know, ask the, the questions uh, for themselves. And, and, you you know, we all have to kind of make the decision that we, you know, can sleep with at night. You know, we everybody has a different situation, mm-hmm. so I can't, you know, uh, tell anybody to do exactly what I'm doing. I decided to take it, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm connected to my extended family, mm-hmm. senior adults, parents, mm-hmm. uh, stuff, and I want to protect them. It's more so for protection so, of yeah, them than it yeah. is self-interest. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So a question for you guys. All right. So both of y'all seem fairly young, and I still say fairly young is like, what? Early 40s, yeah. if yeah. that. I'm 38. 38? Well, you're yeah. going to get there soon, brother. Yeah. <laughs> God willing, as they say, yeah. God willing. So question. So when did y'all, so first of all, tell us, when did you all get the, how long have you been preaching? And when did you, like, get the word to, like, this is what you want to do or you should do? Go ahead, Pastor. I'm going to defer to you on this one. Uh, I started preaching uh, my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um and um, you know, it, it was you know kind of a time where I was preparing for college. Um, didn't really anticipate that I was going to sense a, a, a sense of calling at that period. Um, was kind of praying, seeking God about some guidance about what to do after high school and stuff like that. Uh, and it was you know kind of in that season I felt called into ministry, and uh, you know accepted my calling that year, senior year of high school, and been doing it ever since. Twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah. yeah, mine's, uh, I came up under, uh, I'm a, a fourth generational um, pastor in the Baptist church. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my uncles were were Baptist Baptist pastors, uh, reverends, shall I say. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until about uh, 2000, between the 2005, 2006 is when I um, decided to accept the call of what it was. I mean, you, of course, you grow up in the church mm-hmm. um, and things like that. But um, as a teenager and, and things like that, and, and, and a college student, I, I wasn't thinking about any of that. And I'm more so as an athlete, yeah, uh, and whatnot. And so it was around 2006 um, when I moved. I moved to Atlanta in around around 2001, and um, for about a good five years, I kind of went through a process, and then. Um, Got married and like things like that. You I mean, process. That was, yeah. What, <laughs> nah. what, you were in Atlanta in 2001. What? Well, the fortunate thing is, I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to do any of that. Um, when I came from um, Jacksonville, Florida, when I pulled up at my cousin's house, my my wife, who were married, and I was on the porch. I didn't get a chance to date any oh, yeah. <laughs> any any other story. women or or know what Atlanta was like until later. Yeah. After that, so I think that was a, that was a great thing, a part of my journey. So I didn't Good have to go you. through those things. Yeah. Um, I was never the dude that was in the club. I was the dude that was always outside the club, you outside know, waiting on everybody coming out of the club. Oh, picking up the scraps and everything. Well, not really scraps, but I just I just was never the type of guy that just liked to be around a lot of rah rah stuff. Yeah. I grew up in the in the neighborhood that was always drug shooting and all that. So gotcha. I always stayed away from crowds and gotcha. stuff like that. So. Um, that was just for my for for, for me, um, accepting the call was a great thing. Um, I became an associate uh, Baptist uh, pastor and then went from there to um, uh, more of a um, uh, apostolic prophetic church and then uh, went from there and then 
uh, end up accepting my journey. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't leave the church on that note or anything like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, my pastor was the one who kind of uh, helped push me out to start the church that we have have now. Uh, but I always had that side of me uh, growing up, knowing uh, culturally who I was uh, growing up. On my father's side, my mother was a Christian, but on my father's side, it was more so uh, messianic side. And then uh, was got the best of both worlds, and then was able to navigate um, through what it, what I'm doing right now. Okay, tell, so tell me a little bit about that, like messianic Jew. Mm-hmm. How how is that different, or what's the main difference that you can tell me between that and being a Christian? Because a lot of us we right. know Christians. That's one of the main religions: right. Christianity, Islam. Buddhism, you know, many more. Right. But those are, the, those are the main ones. Tell me more about, like, the difference between Messianic Jew and a Christian. Well, when you talk about the Jew side, it's not more so from conversion. For me, I wasn't a converted Jew. Okay. Like, there's people who convert into being Jews, and there's people who bloodline Jews. Yeah. Right? So, for me, it was more so uh, from a bloodline perspective, culturally, from the Limba tribe. And then... Um, we focus, our, our main focus is not on culture. That's just an aspect of it. You grow up in American culture, you grow up in whatever country that you're raised up in, there's there's a culture to that, mm-hmm. right? The Messianic side is believing in, in Jesus, right? As, as the savior, okay. as the Messiah. So uh, when you look at that, we don't view it from a perspective of a separation of, hey, you gotta choose either side, mm-hmm. but we don't put our culture above our salvation. Okay. It's just a part of the thing. It's just a way of life, the way we do things. It's the way y'all walk. The way we walk, the way we treat people. Yeah. You know, we do uh, adhere to dietary instructions, but not from a salvific perspective, just because it's a part of our culture and it's 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 healthy for our bodies and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But doctrinally, um, we teach Messiah all day. You know, okay. we and I, I'm, the reason why I'm saying Messiah is not because I've shunned on saying Christian or anything like that. But that's just the lingo that we use within our paradigm, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's kind of that's 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 the issue. I think the difference is um, more so in the Christian church. Um, they they have um, traditions and things that they follow, which would be a part of the culture. Baptists have their culture of doing things. Uh, Kojic has their culture of doing things. But it's also at the same time they would say they would if you ask them they would say that they believe in Jesus. I'm pretty sure if you talk to pastor, yeah. they would say you know this is our culture. And the way we do things, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, you gotta bring it back to the cross, you know, <laughs> yeah. that type of thing. So that's for us. It all that's goes the way back it is. to the cross and the son. Of yeah, God. I mean, I mean, you have to, you have to. That is it. Ultimately, just because I'm a Jew, that don't mean that I automatically get a pass into this into the kingdom. That's yeah. It's not the way it works, you know. Okay. Uh, but culturally, we're not ashamed of our culture. Okay. So that's kind of pretty much the way it is. Brothers. Oh, here we go. <laughs> See the heathen, heathen waking up. <sighs> yeah, Yo, you set us up, huh? You come in with the nice questions, and then here comes the. Nah, nah, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get us to under, I'm trying to get myself and the listeners to an understanding of the difference because everyone, it's, everyone basically knows about Christianity and the um, culture, ideas, thoughts of, about being a Christian. But I think Messianic Jew is something that's like different. Even to say the word Jew right now feels kind of bad for me. I feel like I'm like, am I being blasphemous or am I being incorrect by saying Jew instead of saying 
Messianic Jewish person. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying I'm not politically correct right now by saying Jew in my slang. You know, my bad, Rick. Some say Israelite, some say, you know, it depends on your person. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know, know who's going to sue you nowadays, you know. Yeah. Fellas, well, we know that um, well, this, this week, well, today is Good Friday. And Sunday is Easter. And um, we've kind of talked about how I grew up um, as a Jehovah Witness. Well, um, my grandparents were Jehovah Witnesses. Mm-hmm. And um, they set the and and this past Sunday they celebrated the memorial. Uh, what they call the memorial is basically um, celebrating the um, resurrection of Christ. Um, also, your Passover, yeah. if I remember correctly, was is also was also this past weekend. Yeah, it's Friday, Saturday, and when we're in, in unleavened bread, tomorrow ends unleavened bread, and Sunday is first fruit. Okay. Yeah. And um so that that is one of the only holidays that I guess so-called holidays that my parents, my grandparents actually was um a part of. Um Memorial, the Resurrection of Christ and um and they did um the wine Do y'all believe in that? Do breaking y'all believe, the bread. Do y'all believe breaking the bread and the, with the wine, communion. Yeah, communion. They, 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 and that was the only time right. they took communion. Um, so they the only time they took communion was was on during the resurrection time. Yeah, memorial. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Um, what is y'all's meaning in this? Um, the Passover. What does it mean to y'all and to for, for your congregation? What are you trying to get them to see, to feel during this time? Uh well, uh for me, um, you know, I, I kinda take a, a, a more more what we would call kind of an orthodox Christian approach to um to the Passover and to the celebration of resurrection. Um, the, the, the Passover or the, the Lord's Supper, as, uh, as it's kind of referred to in Christian circles, uh, is um, it, it, it represents and recognizes uh, a new covenant with God established through uh, the blood of Christ. Um, uh, that the, the covenant that uh, we share with Christ is, to, to put it in plain terms, it, it's a blood oath uh, through... Uh, Christ's sacrificial life and death, uh, we recognize that uh, he became a sinless sacrifice for for each of us. Um, And in so doing, uh, gives us um, access to to relationship with, uh, to personal relationship with God. Um, And so the uh, celebration of Passover is, uh, it correlates to uh, Christ's uh, celebration of the Last Supper with his disciples just before he goes to uh, to be uh, crucified. Um, and um, the celebration of resurrection, Easter, he, we, we believe that he was crucified on Good Friday. Tradition uh, holds that he was crucified on Good Friday uh, and he was resurrected on Sunday. Why do you call it Good Friday if he was crucified on Good Friday? I'm just, I'm just curious. I, that's bad Friday. Well, not, not, not necessarily. It's, uh, it's because he's redeeming us by his blood, redeeming mankind by his blood. Okay. So it's a good thing 
It's basically saying yeah, it's some, a good some, deed. Yeah, somebody stood in a place for yeah. you. Okay, I got you. you know, got you. Basically exactly. kind of okay. So y'all believe in that in under the uh, Messianic Jew? Y'all believe in the same thing? Y'all believe in um, good guy? Y'all believe in Easter? Y'all believe in the resurrection as well? Yeah, we believe in the resurrection. Um, I think from a culture perspective, um, we look from the spiritual side is what he did. Uh-huh. But also from the cultural side is a foreshadow of showing the exodus of how. So we talk, we kind of talk and teach more about how the journey coming out of the exodus and bringing us unto the new covenant and the new testament. So we just look at the shadows, the blood that was over the doorpost is symbolized the lamb, yeah. for, you know, and all that, all that stuff. It just brings it to a more cultural aspect that draws us from the culture into the spiritual aspect of it. So, um, we talk about uh, that aspect mm-hmm. in both and together um, that there would be no new covenant without the old covenant. So we just kind of um, help um, the youngsters, um, the, the yeah. kids and, and those who are, who are come trying to learn the culture aspect of it. We just show that from the Exodus until the New Testament. Okay. Yeah. Somebody just walked in the barbershop. What you need? What you want? Yo, Rick, yo, Will. What up? Okay, uh, here talk, we go. <laughs> talking to you two guests as pastors today because it is Good Friday tonight. All right, so Pastor Brown and let me make sure I got it right. Pronounce the other one correctly. Minifee. I know this voice. Yeah, this is there. This is there. But this is the first time I'm talking to you strictly as pastors, okay? Okay. All right. Now, I'm not a Christian. I have some degree of appreciation for the for the pursuit, though, okay? I want you to address this. A lot of people don't want to be Christians for this reason. The story was carried on by 11 of the 12 disciples who broke camp on Jesus when he needed them most. Now, the story is that they saw all these miracles that Jesus of Nazareth um, implemented on people and for people. And even though they saw all of this firsthand, one of them turned on them and the other 11 broke camp. And then they were the ones to carry on the story of Jesus, and they were the ones that spread it amongst the population at a larger um, at a larger rate. Now, with that in mind, how how is it how is it that your claim that you believe that your claim is so true when people that actually saw his work ran out on him and you didn't see it at all? Either one. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, this is something, you know, I've given a great deal of, of thought and prayer and research to. Um, um, I, um, I would start by saying um, that uh, whether or not the, the Gospels are true, uh-huh. uh, whether or not the, the story is believable is something that uh, we cannot know for sure. Um, my I'm not questioning the story. Hold on. Air, air. Hold on. Yeah, my, my, my commitment to live uh, in, in uh, believing the Gospels is, uh, is a choice that I've made after looking at, you know, the available information uh, and praying and making a decision based on faith. Um, and so that's the, the simple answer. Um, you know, I've weighed, you know, all the information that I can get my hands on. I've read everything. I have, you know, more degrees than a thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, spending 20 years looking at all the information, uh, the best conclusion that I, I have uh, come to is that, you know, uh, about 2,000 years ago, there was somebody named Jesus of Nazareth. He actually lived, taught, preached, um, uh, performed miracles. 
Um, there's extra biblical evidence uh, to that fact. Um, there are secular historians uh, um, uh, like Josephus who uh, point to the fact that Jesus was uh, indeed a, a, a historical figure. Uh, Jesus did die. And what some secular historians record about Jesus is that what's unique about his life is that even after his death, um, his disciples continue to uh, to demonstrate their affection towards him. Uh, no secular historian uh, records any information about the resurrection. But, um, you know, based on what we have uh, in the Gospels, uh, I have full faith uh, and confidence that the uh, the resurrection is a historical event. Nothing else explains why the disciples went from um, being scared and secluded to kind of having full faith and confidence in Christ again. Uh, only the resurrection kind of um, uh, justifies their complete 180 degree turnabout uh, for me. For me. Okay. Um, so I know. So you you pretty much already declared that you're not a Christian or a believer. Uh, I, I sense that you kind of, why well, discern that you kind of doubt um, the story because you asked the question, why do now, we I believe, believe some of it? Okay, so you, you believe some of it. Okay. So let me ask you this. Uh, I'll take a more pr uh, practical approach to this. Um, how many people died from COVID? I don't know. How many did the news report? I don't know. So you don't know. Okay, so in the United States we over five hundred thousand, right? Mm -hmm. I know we are over five hundred thousand in the okay. United States. Okay, so you don't know, but you believe COVID exists, correct? I do. You do. Okay, what is your source for believing that? Well, I, I don't want to make a comparison. Listen, no, 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 you no, no, you asked me a question. No, you asked me a question, so I'm asking you a question. I got to ride with him on this one, Eric. Answer the question. Ask the question. He asked you a question. What is your source? Um, the New England Journal of Medicine, the American Medical Association, the Center for Disease Control, and C-SPAN. Okay, you trust those sources? I do. Okay. Oh, and, and the seven doctors that I, the seven MDs that I know very well, two of them are my sisters. Okay, so you trust those sources. Were you there when those when they were doing the experiments? No. But you but, believe their source. But I but I have done personal experiments in um, biochemistry, and I know and clearly understand that the coronavirus exists and it does mutate. Okay. I've seen that myself. Right, you've seen that yourself. So how do we trust your your source, or how do well, we trust you with what you're saying? It's not your responsibility, trust me. Okay. I don't, I don't right. think that you should or shouldn't. Right. So the point that I'm making is is that the sources that you trust in, nobody from this side over here is able to see those sources. And most of those sources you aren't even able to see. Well, but you believe those sources. So my point is is that to simply say that they bailed out on him, it wasn't the fact that he didn't know they was going to bail out on him because he told them that they was going to bail out on him. Not only that. Just because a story is is done by people or stories presented by people who who turned their back on you, that don't mean the story that the source or the story isn't true. It just simply means that they were they were not in a position to stand firm. I've seen brothers that that, that were on that when the police came, they told me several times they was gonna ride and die with me. But when well, the cops came, they yeah. scattered, they dipped. Coward. But yet so they were some real brothers though. though. Here's why I'm with it, though, and this is the reason why I brought it up. Twelve people saw numerous actions firsthand. They saw first, they had firsthand accounts of it, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Now their credibility becomes very questionable when after having seen those those um, miracles um, implemented, one set them up for death and the uh, and the other eleven ran. But then afterwards, they were the main source of saying that everything was true. Right. But so I don't take issue with what he yeah. did. I take issue with the people that carried on the story, which is the reason why Christianity is as broad as it is. It's not broad as it is because because of Jesus of Nazareth spreading it. It's broad as it is because of 11 people that carried it on, the story, and then everybody started picking it up after that. But only 11 people saw all of that. Yeah, but why, why, why would he choose those 12 if he knew they were shaky? I don't know. So, 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 you, got, so you have That's to question Jesus of Nazareth. You know, it's, a, it's a difficult... It's a difficult, it's not difficult thing to get people to accept sometimes because because of that. And then I got a short question because I don't want to stick on this okay. too long. Your broadcast right. short. Do you now? This is this is almost as almost an accusation. So bear with me on this. Okay. All right. Do the two of you feel that the Christian community is too accepting of quasi Christians as in their pursuit? Quasi means in part. I believe that you're either Christian or you're not. I believe that. Okay, it's a healthy pursuit, but you either are or you aren't. Yeah, asking a question. And there's a lot of quasi-Christians that are accepted into the Christian faith. Are you guys too welcoming of them? Um. Uh. Well, I, I can I can just speak for for me. I can't speak for you know uh, other people's experience. Um. I, I believe that what's unique about um the uh Christian faith is that it accommodates. Uh, what's most unavoidable about um, human nature, uh, the fact that we are uh, all so very deeply flawed. Um, <laughs> there's just no avoiding that. Um, and I think um, in a way that uh, speaks to what's most broken in us, uh, the Christian faith uh, offers us, I believe, what we need most, which is grace, um, uh, grace from a loving God. Uh, who loves us enough to have given himself for us. Um, there was, a, uh, you know, a, a, a bridge, a, a gap between us and God that uh, we could not mend on our own. Uh, and God knew enough, loved us enough, and cared, uh, cared enough to, uh, to, to mend that gap himself. Uh, a gap that was created by our own uh, vulnerability, our own flaws, our own sinfulness. Um, and so um, I think that uh, that is the beauty of the gospel, uh, that the, um, the gospel invites uh, people who, uh, like myself, recognize that uh, they, they are sinful. They, yeah. they have made mistakes and they invite you to, into fellowship uh, with God by accepting that a free uh, sacrifice was made uh, for us to know and love him. So. Okay, I'm accepting of that, and I'm going to exit. But in pursuit of your charitable faith, could I borrow some money to pay the cash on the way out? <laughs> Hell no, he replied. <laughs> See the cash on your way out, my brother. <laughs> so following up on something to follow up on what Eric is asking. All right, so we all know that uh, video or audio came out about Kirk Franklin. When mm-hmm. Kurt Franklin is, is supposedly saved, and I'm going to say supposedly because I wasn't there when he got saved, but su- Kurt Franklin is supposedly saved, and the way that he spoke to his son, people took offense to that. Mm-hmm. How can you be saved and how can you speak this way? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not accused, I'm not condemning Kurt Franklin, 
But what I want to know from you guys is people like is that are people like Kurt Franklin and the pastor was named John Gray, the pastor John Gray, who has uh, committed adultery on his wife several times. Should they step down from whatever position that they're holding? Or is it still in your eyes okay for them to still spread the word of God at that position that they currently serve? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, for me, I think it's, it's not a, a straightforward answer. I can't say what Kirk Franklin should do or what uh, John Gray would do. Um, I think that's why we each have our own relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I can speak, you know, for myself as, as someone who's been in ministry 20 years um, and started ministry at 17. Um, one of the most humbling things you can ever do is start ministry young and have to go through all of your growing pains and make all your mistakes yeah. <laughs> in front of people. Uh, I'm a pastor who's been through a divorce publicly, a public divorce. Uh, I'm kind of an anomaly because most pastors don't survive a divorce. Yeah. Um, there were those who, you know, a lot of people walked away from me and distanced themselves from me when, when I went through a public divorce as a pastor, um, you know, but knew, you know, that, you know, God called me to ministry. Uh, God still uh, had his hand on my life, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, continued to serve in my capacity and didn't step down, um, you know, even through, you know, a public divorce. Um, so, you know, I, my first, you know, my, my prayers and my, you know, thoughts are with, you know, uh, uh, you know, Kirk and John Gray and, you know, I'm praying God continue to use them, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, two, I think the, the most important thing is that, you know, as pastors or as leaders, uh, when our actions, you know, um, are hurtful or harmful to the ministry yes. that, you know, we, we take full ownership of that, that we, you know. Uh, have the conversations that we need to with people that we, you know, uh, you know, go mend whatever, um, you know, broken relationships exist, mm-hmm. family, parishioners, whatever, and, you know, take a head on and just, you know, be, be you know, a grown person about your stuff and, and deal with it the way it needs to be dealt with. Uh, and I think that's the most important, um, um, you know, uh, act that needs to take place when, when pastors and leaders, whether you're uh, serving in a spiritual capacity or when you're, you know, a leader in some other capacity, mm-hmm. you know, just take it head on, uh, address it, um, you know, seek forgiveness, seek grace. Um, but, you know, I can't necessarily say whether or not somebody else needs to step down. You, you know, you just have to have your own relationship with God and, and, and let the Lord lead you. What about you, Pastor Williams? Do you feel that he could, that that person, I say that that pastor who was, stepping out on his wife or committing committing adultery or committing sinful acts that he preaches that a Christian shouldn't walk in, do you feel that that person should still be up there in front of the church preaching this message? Well, let me, I'll say this I, and before I kind of get in there. The beauty about what Christ did and the beautiful thing about the gospel is that it doesn't require me to be perfect. Okay. Because of what he did, that's what makes me perfect so when god looks at me he doesn't look at um the flaws in 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 which that he would look at me before based upon what the law required right um in kirk's in kirk's situation um i don't think i me personally my son have made me mad to the point to where um to that level Mm -hmm. but i've never uttered those words now that's me yeah so i can't i'm not going to put that type of weight of what I'm, I don't struggle with, um, because I don't argue with my son on that level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what he did was, um, I think that that was something that 
um, he should have been sorry for. But I don't think that was something to the point to where I would say he needs to stop, you know, ministry or saying God's mm-hmm. you, you talk to your son about it and, you know, rectify the relationship with him. And then you deal with your relationship with the father in that aspect. Um, now, for someone who is willfully sinning, like yeah, so willfully, like, yeah, like, like John just, Gray, like the just, person they say who keeps sleeping around on his wife and he buys her a Lamborghini and he buys her uh, whatever else. I don't know what else. Yeah. But you, I, 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 I'm even going by hearsay on this story to tell you. Trivia. Right. <laughs> if it's somebody that is willful, right, even me, myself, I have things in place to where in our ministry that if I was to do something to that level willfully, mm-hmm. right, I'm sitting my behind down. Okay. Right. That's just because I I, I, I firmly believe that everything starts, even with serving, it starts with the leadership first. Mm-hmm. I don't let anybody in our ministry outserve me. And I don't tell them to do something that I don't do. Yeah. So if I'm out here just willfully messing around on my wife, willfully doing stuff that's just really foul, then it is required that I should sit my behind down because at this point I'm not fit to lead anybody. Yeah. And so I think in in if it's true in John Gray's case, then my perspective is that it would be good for him to, I don't care how big your name is. And that's another issue that we have yes. where we feel as though people with big names and they got crowds and they're anointed and all this other stuff that they get a pass yeah. versus somebody who does something that don't have the name. Then we want to stone them. Yeah. I, I, I'm just totally against that whole, that whole thing because what it does is it justifies the excuses of others who have ish personal issues Give them a reason to blame why they won't hold themselves accountable yeah. for walking correctly. Well, well, since, since, well, since we talking about that, one of the most taboo conversations in church is sex. <laughs> we talked about this before on, our, on my show. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go ahead. Sex is one of the most taboo and 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 ran away from conversations in the church yeah how are y'all as <laughs> pastors and more of your congregation the leaders of your congregation how are y'all dealing with these conversations you pastor mm-hmm. being a single man mm-hmm. in church with these women how are y'all handling these conversations um how are y'all instructing the leaders of the church to deal with these conversations and handle these conversations amongst your parishioners? Uh, in what way? Be more specific. I mean, in every way. Um, is it okay to have sex? Um, staying with someone and you not being Is it okay married. to do a threesome? I, <laughs> Let's go straight uh, to no, it. No, 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 no. I mean, I want to know. If everybody, if everybody is positions. consensual, if everybody sexual consents, positions. if everybody consents, am I sinning if me and my wife say, hey, we finna go get this woman over here, and we both agree, and this woman agrees, are we sinning? Are we going to hell? Sexual positions. Uh, how do how, I mean? Give us one question at a time. Okay, Y'all coming okay. with nine questions? Well, go with it. Go take either <laughs> one. Take either Matthew, one. You want to go ahead? I'm, I'm gonna let you jump in first. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming with something. Uh, he, all right. So let's let's deal with the first the first thing. All right. Um, I don't engage 
in any form of conversation unless I'm invited as a pastor. I don't come into your house telling you what you should be doing in your house unless you invite me in that conversation. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that within our culture, within the Israelite culture, okay. there are polygamous relationships. Yeah. In my church, we ain't rocking with that. Okay. Period. We don't rock with that doctrine at all. Yeah. Right? We believe in one man, one woman. Mono, mono. Married. Yeah. Not dating and all that kind of stuff. If you date, cool. Uh -huh. But there's limits to, you know, what you do. We have a singles ministry and all that type of stuff. But when it comes down to dealing with um, the aspect of, oh, well, you know, um, is it right? Is it wrong? I think we have to kind of deal with and, and find out where the person belief is. Because if you're an atheist, it's that's not wrong yeah. for you, right? That's not wrong. That's what you do. Yeah. But if you're asking me from a Bible-believing perspective, right? No, it's one man, one wife. It's what It was that way from the beginning. If it was about having these multiple partners, then that would have been in the garden that way. It would have been started from the beginning that way. What are you talking about? Adam and Eve? It would have yeah. been two It would have been, yes. Yes. I don't know about that. Absolutely. So you think the creator don't know what a man needs? Yeah, but I think, I don't know if God would have gave us two women, like, off the rip. Why? Because I think that's like we build up to that. No, you don't. He, he, you don't build like, up to like, nothing with like, God. Like, what are you like, talking about? I think God was like, yo, I'm going to tease you first. Give you no, 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 no. Everything. You can't make it handle two off the rip. Everything that God does is on his own, is on his terms. But he knew we couldn't handle two off the rip. That's why he gave you one. Exactly. But and he didn't. Now get, we can do two off the rip. Now we can do two. No, he didn't. Build up. To you two. can't give him. Two. No, you can't. You can't show me that nowhere in the scriptures. It ain't in the scriptures. See, that's the problem. Everything ain't for you ain't in the scriptures. You, Some things you gotta like outside the box. So, 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 so I, I gotta broaden my scope, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Now, show me in any situation. Okay. Where that even in the Bible. Where there was multiple wives, it never worked out. It was always a problem. But see, I never said a wife. It's I said a, like a like your wife and a and a woman who your wife is like, yo, we're gonna bring her into the relationship. So why do you need a side chick for what? I don't need one. No, but you're asking the question. Yeah, why, some dudes. Why does a man need more than one woman? To stimulate when when he can't even afford to take care of. Hey, why you need more than, more than one, one woman? woman? No, I don't see that. <laughs> if it, listen, listen, in other cultures, even in Africa, right? Yes. In order for a man to maintain and to have another wife, he has to be able to, he has to prove that he can financially take care of it. Correct. And and here's the thing. Having more than one woman is not about sex. See, most of us in America, we're visual. Mm -hmm. When you go into other cultures, it's about a it's about a, a economical perspective. But see, of why they have it. But see, what you're doing is something that we're doing two different things. You're talking about marriage relationships. You're talking about having two different women that I'm married to. What I'm talking about is just sexual. So what I am talking why about do you, but is why, just sexual. Why do you need another woman? Some men Why do you need do two women? It's excitement. You can't even get off but one time. Well, I don't know now. You got, that, you got that blue pill now and everything. You, so. man, you, listen, man. I don't care. We all men in here, right? Bruh. Except some of these sisters, right? Sisters can go outgo out us. Yes, they can. That's fact. That that's true. Right? That is true. So why they do you different. why do you need? And here's the here's another question. See, here's another 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 thing. Not a question. Our problem is we view sex by pleasing us. Who is our? That's the that, that's why that's why a man desires another woman. 
because multiple women because his perspective is it's all about him. For sex, it's not about just you. But sometimes the woman wants the woman. But well, see, that's the problem. And then you looking crazy when she run off with that woman. Nah, you like, all right, you, she did something that you can't do for. Well, so, yeah. so that's the so why Man. you need more than one. If we go right back excitement. to that excitement. See, that's the problem. Excitement, <laughs> excitement for a moment. So what about you, Pastor? What you saying? Uh, well, you know, I I, I come at this from a, a lifetime of of kind of studying, you know, the scriptures related to uh, you know sexual purity and. Um, uh, you know, sort of God's moral vision for, for sexuality. Um, and, um, you know, my, my major emphasis is that I think the, the struggle, I think, culturally that we're having is because we're, we're sort of over-sexualized. We, we I, agree with, kind of mm-hmm. a, I agree with that. A hyper-sexualized mm-hmm. culture. Yes. Um, you know, you can't, you can't pick up a book, a magazine, uh, you yep. know, you can't go on Facebook or, or you know, you know, YouTube without, you know, absorbing yeah. just a, a plethora of sexual images. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, you know, the, the, the sad thing is that as, as over-sexualized as we are, you know, the, the, the struggle I think that many people have, and we're, we're over-sexualized, but not sexually gratified. Um, mm-hmm. you, I agree with that. You, you encounter, good, you encounter so few married couples where there's a healthy, thriving sex life. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have the, the, the blessing of knowing, you know, multiple couples, multiple couples who've been married 30, 40, 50 years and who are still sexually active. Mm-hmm. It's been a blessing. And, and this is kind of the, the reality in my family. Uh, my parents, my uncles and aunts, a lot of married couples in my family who... Uh, have been married mm-hmm. for decades and still have, you know, healthy, thriving mm-hmm. relationships. And so I've seen the model that it can work. I believe you know, I believe doing, that can doing, work. Doing, do, using that as your, your moral vision as sort of the high, for me still, I believe biblically uh, and personally, the highest expression of human sexuality is for one man and one mm-hmm. woman to be together yeah. in a committed monogamous right. relationship over a lifetime mm-hmm. uh, because no other vision uh, de- what it doesn't demand as much of us mm-hmm. a, a, a threesome for you oh, know, yeah, a, a, lot week, of work. a weekend in Miami yeah. it oh of course it feels good or you know having you know your girlfriend and side chick of mm-hmm. course it feels good um, but it doesn't demand much of mm-hmm. you it doesn't uh, sort of, it doesn't require you to use the the amazing amount of 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 commitment, of focus, of moral strength that God has that gifted I, okay, each that, of us, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't require any choice. Right. Choice is such an important part of becoming. You choosing? Yeah. Who 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 God is? <laughs> Yo, who, it does require choice. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't it require does any require, choice. It does require choice. Yeah. What 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 makes a relationship special is because when you when you devote yourself to a person, you essentially devotion requires you to take your vote away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm choosing this one, and I'm saying no to the what the right. everybody the everybody in my DMs. Yeah. I'm, I'm shutting it down mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's what makes it special um, and that should be the I think that should still be our our vision mm-hmm. for um, for for human sexuality see I think and I think and I agree with you I agree yeah. that a healthy 
relationship can last a long time. Yeah. And you can have sex with that one great partner for a long time. It take work. But they go that butt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they, yeah the only butt is no, no, the only butt is you better not step outside because once you have that taste of that other thing, then I think that's when it infiltrates and then now you're no longer gonna have that healthy mm-hmm. relationship or that healthy sex life. Because it's like it's like well, it's like it's like the old it's like true. the old joke where it says if you always eat one type of yes. cracker, that's what you know. But if you ever eat another type of cracker, you're gonna want that other cracker. That, that's again. not necessarily true. Uh, you know, I do some some couples counseling. I'm uh, in route to licensure therapist. Uh, work with couples. Uh, one of the things we do know about couples is that a lot of couples who go through painful periods of infidelity, many couples end up having significantly more satisfaction and and exponentially more healthy relationships after the infidelity. After the infidelity? After the infidelity. Because this, this is what happens. All, all of us know this experience. You meet somebody, y'all go on dates, you date for two years, you get engaged, you get married. But for many of us, for that first six months, for that first eight months, mm-hmm. in some instances for the first five years of the marriage, that person still don't know the real you yet. True. Yeah. Men, I think I believe that men stop learning after they, they have in, sex. They have a relationship with your representative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so in, in a lot of instances, it takes a death, a a, a a period of infidelity, the loss of a job. It takes something significant mm-hmm. to happen in a couple in a couple's relationship to sort of shake them out of the, you know, uh, the tendency to pretend to be something you're not. Gotcha. And, and usually for a lot of couples, only after that something happens. Grandmama dies, mama dies, somebody lose their job, you move to a new city, and infidelity uh-huh. happens. Something big happens five years, seven years into a relationship, into a marriage, that it's only after that period that, that a meeting of the minds, a come to Jesus meeting happen, has to happen, where a couple actually for the first time seven years into a marriage has to sit down and say, all right, this is who I really am. Yeah. And I, I I know this is what you thought you were getting. You thought you were getting the uh, the Hallmark card. You 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 might have got you, you might have got mm-hmm. some some completely different. But we got to decide if we're gonna move together as one or move together as two. Makes and sense. so yeah, and I, and I think you know for a lot of couples, you you can you can experience you know healthier relationship after a significant hardship. You know mm-hmm. I've seen it happen. I've worked with couples. I know you can you know you can rebuild. It's possible. Yeah. You, and so you can pal- be something stronger afterwards than you were, you know, before. So you being a single man, is there, how are you handling sex? You got women coming at you. Well, this what I said. I, I mean, we we, we gonna be re- he's, he, he's one a pastor. He's a single man. And he got the beard thing on. You know, women don't have beard. All right. For. All right. How do you handle? This. Let me say this. Let me say this. Um, and I'm not perfect, um, but I'll say this: there's, there's a lot of pastors out here sleeping with their members, and, mm. and, and 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 doing a whole lot of stuff. You know, I just don't. I don't get down with. Um, I can say in 20 years of of ministry, ministered all over the state of Georgia, not one time have I been approached by a woman. In a, um, in, in, in a in a church setting, in a ministry setting, in an inappropriate way. Uh-huh. That's because what I tell you know, fellow clergymen, what I tell other leaders, 
you attract what you put out. Mm-hmm. If you put it out there, people can tell. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They can look in your eyes. They can read your body language. They know when you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when you put it out there, you're going to get it back. And, uh, you know, because I don't put that energy out there, I don't get it back. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I, I I do okay, you know. Now, now, at Quick Trip or, or at Walmart, of, of course, I've, I've had my moment. You don't walk with, around with the little white thing, you know, with the yeah, white collar yeah, around yeah. your neck to let them know yeah. you're a pastor? You don't yeah. do that? No. Nah, you got to yeah. let them know, man. Like they going to stop. Nah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, you don't put it out there, you don't get it back. Intimacy, well, sex in, in your relationship. Are there any things that, Per the Bible that you can't do. Well, first of all, I'm not even finna tell you what's going on in my bedroom. Hey, hey. That, that question right there might as well. <laughs> not for not not towards this house. Yeah. You know. But I mean, if you're talking about um other people's houses, um I, it just depends on the individual. You know, some people look at certain things as they're not gonna do, you know. Some people. is there anything in the Bible that a man and woman shouldn't do who are in a joint marriage? Well, it depends. Like, it, like what? It just depends. Like is it like 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 okay? Anal sex. Should- Oh God! Anal sex. Let's let's, let's, have, let's have a conversation. <laughs> this is the big. This is the big topic that we have. We seem to bump into <laughs> on Boom Radio. Okay. Anal sex. All right. So so this this is my sort of biblical framework for, for what sex should be uh, biblically um, and I take sort of most of my framework from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 1 Corinthians 7 Paul kind of explains what you know what sex and sexuality should be for for c- committed Christians uh, three basic criteria he gives number one he basically says it should be consensual Number two, he says indirectly that it should be between two adults. Uh, number three, that it should be a mutually affirming experience, that nobody should feel degraded or put mm. down. Or uh, And then uh, number four, it should be in the context of a, of a committed relationship. He's, th- 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 that's Paul's criteria in 1 Corinthians 7. Anything goes. Now, I, now you you are you if you inside those criteria anything goes then anything goes you you grown you'll figure it out <laughs> yeah nah i mean <laughs> what you say what, what you say uh-huh. what you say no nope. you say <laughs> what's up more ready nah i mean I'm not, you have some things listen <laughs> it, this is my perspective once again with um if it's an area that cannot produce anything, then I'm not going in it. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's, 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 that's personal. <laughs> that's just, I'm just saying, I, I don't think, and, and culturally, right? Uh-huh. Culturally, that is just something that culturally we, we I know. don't. Who, who we, is we? We just don't, you say we. We don't do that. Who, who is, no, I'm just saying, you're asking us individuals. So as, as, as you say Israel, culturally. Yeah, culturally in, 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 in Hebrew culture, that's not something we look at from the mindset of, of procreation, right? So everything is is it depends upon that. We're not so we every don't, time we so don't do time, anal sex. So every time you lay down to have sex, it's, it's supposed to be to make a baby. We're not practicing. And I, I don't I don't agree with that. 
No, I mean, no, every every time every time that you lay down to have sex. <laughs> no, you're not. You, your mindset is not to make up to 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 reproduce or make a baby. What I said was I don't go in areas that yes. aren't capable to reproduce. Yes. That's what I'm saying. And then we, then so also- my mindset isn't to have a baby every time I lay down, yeah. even though that if you start going back in ancient times, every time they laid down, pretty much there was a baby coming out. Mm. Right? But at the same time, that's not something that I, I just don't even engage in that type of that some some of that stuff is 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 personal for people. Yeah. And so I don't go, I I just don't have those type of conversations about what somebody should be doing in the bed and what's off limits it, and all that type of well, stuff. It's not, a, not, it's not a conversation of should, but if a couple come to you and they are having these problems, these sexual problems, maybe she wants something, he won't, might want something, mm-hmm. or they just not compatible. Yeah, but a person not coming to you asking you, hey, if they having sexual issues, uh-huh. most of the sexual issues that 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 we deal with as far as counseling or a, a, a couple of shall I say, and I'm pretty sure a pastor can probably attest to this, it's not even about position. It's not even about what area. It's about not having sex, period. Okay. That, that's, yeah. that, so we're talking about something that most people don't even engage in conversation about coming to the pastor and say, well, pastor, uh, can I do this and do it? No. Most men or most women come and say, hey, listen, we're having an issue. I'm not getting, I'm not having sex. And I feel as though my wife shouldn't be holding me out for no month. You know, so these are these are issues that that we have to talk about and deal with based upon uh, what's going on in people's marriages and, and issues like yeah. that. So we don't even really get into a lot of those deep conversations. That's something most of y'all get into that type of stuff. When, when you say y'all. When you say y'all, I'm just saying y'all, y'all, y'all cats is oh wilding out. No, oh <laughs> yeah. hey, we, 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 we got we, we got to take a quick break, and I see you got to answer. I see you got to answer. We gonna come back to you. No, Casey, hold on, hold on. No, Casey, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. You <laughs> might as well not. Huh? Casey, crazy. No, no, Casey. Unless you buy, we go. Well, we we gonna take a break, and um, when we come back, <laughs> no, we we um. Hell I'm coming no. to you. I'm coming to you, Pastor, Pastor John, and um, continue this conversation. The opinions expressed during the sponsored programs on this station are strictly those of the program hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of Beasley Broadcast Group, this station, its staff, other advertisers, or agencies.
shoulders I feel like I'm losing my focus I feel like I'm losing my patience I feel like my thoughts in the basement Feel like I feel like you're miseducated Feel like I don't wanna be bothered I feel like you may be the problem I feel like it ain't no tomorrow Fuck the world The world is ending I'm done pretending And fuck you if you get offended I feel like friends been overrated I feel like the family been faking I feel like the feelings are changing Feel like my daughter compromised is jaded Feel like you wanna screw and that's how I made it Feel like I ain't feeling you all Feel like removing myself, no feelings involved I feel for you, I've been in the field for you It's real for you, right? But this shit I feel like Ain't nobody praying for me Ain't nobody praying for me Ain't nobody praying for me Ain't nobody praying Feel like debating on who the greatest can stop it. I am legend. I feel like all of y'all is peasants. I feel like all of y'all is desperate. I feel like all it takes is a second to feel like Mike Jordan will never holding a real mic. I ain't feeling your presence. Feel like I'ma learn you a lesson. Feel like only me and the music though. I feel like your feeling ain't mutual. I feel like the enemy you should know. Feel like the feeling of no hope. The feeling of bad dope. A courthouse manipulated from soap. The feeling, the feeling of false freedom. A false freedom, the poison to fill them up in the prison. I feel like it's just me. Look, I feel like I can't breathe. Look. I feel like I can't sleep, look I feel heartless, often, often Feeling the falling, I'm falling apart With darkest hours lost in Feeling the void of being employed with balling Streets is talking, filling the blanks with coffins Fill up the banks with dollars Fill up the graves with fathers Fill up the babies with bitch Your internet blogs and pulpit Filling with gossip I feel like this gotta be the feeling where Pac was The feeling of an apocalypse happening But nothing is awkward The feeling won't prosper The feeling is toxic I feel like I'm boxing Demons, monsters, false prophets Scheming, sponsors, industry promises Acts like everything in Church, religion, token, blacks in bondage Lost and visits, subpoena, served in concert Oh, your feelings, I mean this for imposters I can feel it, the phoenix, you're the watchers I can feel it, the dream is more than process I can put a regime welcome black, that forms black, a lightness black, I can feel it, the black, scream black, that shop talking random like bitch with your boys, King like Insane I, I am like Rick Kane I am Will Sane Lower the volume down, Mr. Rick we have Pastor John in the building. We also have Mo Ray, Pastor William Brown in the building. And um, before we left, we was Mama. We sorry. We got on some 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 some, some naughty. I blame Rick. <laughs> okay, she know. Mama know. But Pastor John, you was um getting ready to answer the question. What was the question? So yeah, re restate the question for me. Yeah, what was the question? I'm lost now. Basically, basically. Is it biblical? Is for the things that you can and cannot do in your bedroom. Okay. So all right. What? All right, all right. I'm about to say what? So, I don't, no, 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 I get, I don't I get, even know where the question I get where is. Coming from. I'm confused. Hold on. Let, let, all right, let me help Please tell out. me the so, question that you about to ask before you answer it. So he he want he want to know, you know, is the bedroom defiled? Is, is there is 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 there a biblical framework for what you can and cannot do yeah. in the context of? of Did a, Moses of a bring down ten things that I can't do in my bedroom yeah. when he came down? So so let, 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 let me let me back up and and say <laughs> let, let me back up kind of even further and talk about. Kind of the, the, the problem with taking a very narrow view of scripture with regards to sexuality. The, the problem is, number one, the, the, the Bible scripture was written for a particular context. 
to address even even in the areas where it addresses sexuality and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It, it, we're only hearing one half of a conversation. Oh. There was correspondence going back and forth between Paul and these churches. You know, we, we, we know some of what was going on, some of what he was speaking to, but we only know half of a com- conversation, okay. what was written down. Mm-hmm. Two, um, for a very long time, you know, the, the, the Bible has been used and interpreted mostly by white men. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, watch who, it, pal. Who have... Who have <laughs> Who, who, who have who have largely influenced uh, everybody else? That's right. Yeah. To 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 do and believe what they themselves didn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, three, um, I would say that um, you know for for most of our history of interpreting scripture, uh, you know we've kind of interpreted scripture, especially with regards to sexual framework, in a way that's very judgy and condemning, mm-hmm. and and that fears. If I if I really do something that I enjoy, oh, I must be going to hell for yeah, this. Yeah, 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. let me tell you about my Tuesday night, yeah. man. I'm going to hell. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, but listen, you know what, what? What I think, you know, we should, you know, think about number one. If you're in the context of a of a loving, monogamous, committed relationship, mm-hmm. and you're with your partner, and you're thinking about is this biblical right here? <laughs> you probably doing it all wrong anyway. <laughs> so, you just you God approving this yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. I know he see me right now. I, I, I believe God, God has given us sexuality as a gift. Yeah. And uh, I believe what, what scripture says about sexuality, yeah. it says in the framework of allowing people who are Christian to retain the freedom that we have won in Christ. Okay. That, that God doesn't want us to be sort of burdened and sort of living um, uh, in the sort of control of anything. Yeah. Sexuality, um, you know, uh, um, alcoholism, uh, alcoholism yeah. uh, substance abuse, anything. God wants us to be free to, to know him, love him, worship him and serve him. Mm-hmm. And sexuality can be one of those things that becomes a prison for us if we don't exercise certain wisdom, judgment and, and some boundaries. And I think that's why scripture gives those boundaries that, you know, committed relationship, adults, consensual, mutually affirming. And if you're, you know, operating within those boundaries. Parameters, yeah. Okay. You know. Uh, anything goes. Just say Enjoy yourself. It's okay to say anything goes. Enjoy yourself. You know, when, when, when you look at, um, and we take... Um, Paul's writing, for example, when he gets explicit into talking about just just sex, like so Paul, direct, so Paul, so Paul, directly at sex. So Paul is the person in the Bible speaking about sex. No, 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 no. Not, but, not, but, not only, but a lot not, of what not, we. Yeah. Okay. But but what I'm saying is is that Paul. when you start looking at the when when there, for for one like what Pastor was saying about how we're hearing one side of the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that he's responding to letters written to him based off of whatever subjects is taking place in these churches, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one particular situation where uh, in the Corinthian church where Paul gets downright, you know, down to it when a man is uh, basically has taken his father's wife to be his own, mm. right? And he gets he goes in about like you know, y'all doing this stuff um, that even the pagans don't allow to to, to take place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, throw him out of the church. Like throw him out of the church. He's t- he's taking his 
Father. father's wife, right? Is that his mom or is it stepmom? Well, we don't know. We don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. But but either way, you know, it's still. I, mean, but, but as, I think that's something that that actually needs to be confirmed. If it's the mom or the stepmom, like well, it, it's saying don't mess with your mama, but, but you can mess with your stepmom. Culturally, that it doesn't matter because. The You're reason why it doesn't another man's wife, the, right? Right. Not but, only but, that, what if they, but, but can I mess with it afterwards? Though you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. Not only that, but after they divorce, can I still mess with it now? No, simply no, unless he dies, and, and there's no one else in line. Then, <laughs> then you start getting into that conversation. But what I'm saying is, is that when you marry into something, you become family yeah. in that culture, right? Regardless if 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 you get a divorce, if, if it's stepmama, whatever it is, that's your mother. Right? What about after the divorce, though? No, that's a, it's a whole. No, it's so many the different o- options after that. that because that's you, what I'm back, I'm the only wondering. thing that, uh, to, under to my, um, my understanding, the only thing that frees you is death and adultery. Right, right. right. So, so let me let me get to let me get okay. to the point that I was trying to make here. The only time he really goes into talking about a sexual conversation is when he's talking about fasting. When he says, "Listen, separate yourself." Don't have sex until while you're fasting, but immediately after the fast is over, y'all get back in the bed. Basically, that's, that's what, be, because okay. because he okay. he doesn't want any type of room for any type of enemy or any type of person yeah. to come in the midst of that. Gotcha. So when we start talking about that, that that is when you start. That's probably one of the one of the main places where he's saying, "Listen, Don't you know, separate yourself sexually, you know." But other than that. Um, the, the, the Lord made the man for the woman uh. And so he blessed intercourse Between the man and the woman Amen. Right? Amen so, <laughs> Amen God is good A good God <laughs> A good God <laughs> Y'all boys Y'all crazy Hey <laughs> My next question Love God so loved the church that he gave his only begotten son. We should all strive to have the to have the love for our family, our 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 spouse, the way God loved the church. Yeah. Agape love. Been reading your Bible, ain't you? I mean, you know, I, I, I knocked the dust off hood <laughs> open up every day and then. Um my question is. Does God and his son Jesus love all of mankind that way? And the reason why I ask that question is by looking at what's going on in the world today. The things that's going on, it looked like that he may have turned his back on the world. We're in trouble then if he did that. Yes, <laughs> and, and, and I agree. If, if that is the case, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and these so-called people that say they love God but don't love their fellow man. What is what is what is your views on that? Um, yeah, I believe God's love is is uh, universal. Um, I believe God is the source of all being. All things have come from God. Um, and so, um, for God to not love all of creation would be 
the equivalent of God not loving something that is a reflection of his own his own personhood. So because because we all come from God, um, we, we're all loved by God. And I, I don't believe, you know, when you talk about, you know, you know, just uh, context about world, I don't believe people are the things that they do. Um, which is why I continue to preach about God's love and continue to preach that all people can be redeemed. Hold on. So so let's 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 go off this real quick. You say you don't believe that people are what they do. Other people tell you people are what they do. Believe what you see. They are. They're showing you who they are. So you're saying no to that. You don't subscribe to that. I'm saying absolutely no. Okay. I'm saying that none of us are who we appear to be at our worst. Okay, gotcha. I, I, I believe in, in God's, uh, I believe in the fact that we all are created in God's image. Mm -hmm. And that image only becomes distorted uh, sort of in our own minds. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I believe there's, there's a passage in, uh, I believe it's in Colossians that talks about uh, how um, uh, the, the darkness of the sinfulness of our world uh, it sort of distorts the image of God in our own in our own mind and, and the way we see ourselves. Um, and um, you know we don't we don't lose the image of God just because we fall or because we sin. Mm -hmm. um, that image, I believe, becomes distorted because we we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. Okay. What about you, Pastor? Yeah, no, I, 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 my perspective is is on it is that um, I believe that you know He loves everybody. Um, from the creation mm -hmm. um, before we can even start talking about Israel in the garden um, before there was even any nations period you know he loved he, he loved Adam he loved Eve um, loved them so much that he, he even you know chastised them for you know not being obedient um, I think that everybody has an opportunity to uh, to be redeemed um, I do believe that um, just like all of us, we have emotions or whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, we get upset. We get mad. Um, I think God is the same way. He loves. He also gets mad, you know, and things like that. Um, but I don't believe that he turned his back on the world. I, I believe that uh, we turn our back on him okay. um, and whatnot. And, and his hand is always there uh, waiting on us to come back uh, if we so choose. Um, so I, I just look at it as. Um, I don't think that I don't believe that we have a bone in our body to condemn anybody yeah. uh, even though we see I think we should use wisdom uh, if somebody's robbed me five times I'm not going to let them rob me the sixth time Yeah, right um, and so I would just view it as, from a perspective as you know if I see the brother you know in need or something like that you know I, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I, if I have it to help him out um, but at the same time, um, that doesn't mean that I instill my trust, you know, in, in, in a person that has, has continually done something um, and whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, man, I think that uh, we all have to look at it from that perspective. And I think that's why the redemption is so important uh -huh. um, to understand, uh, because even after we've, we've been redeemed, um, you know, we see ourselves as people all the time. You know, we get mad, you get in traffic. Uh, traffic is the place that shows you that there's nothing that you can do of yourself. Yeah. 
because somebody cut you off. You could be listening to gospel music. Or coming and, out of the church parking lot. Yeah, they cut you off. Yep. Man, you cussing and everything else. You yep. jump out the spirit just that quick. Yep. You know, so I just think that um, at the end of the day, we just have to look at those things and know that uh, God loves us. But at the same time, he does uh, He does have a side where he, where he does get, get upset at, at some of the things that we do. Okay. I got a quick question about Adam and Eve. All right, real quick. Oh, here you go. No, no, real quick. It's, it's nothing bad. All right, so Adam and Eve, are they the first man and woman, or did we all, did they have sex and created everybody else and it just multiplied? I'm actually having this conversation in seminary. I, I don't understand. Right I, that, 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 that really kind of confuses right. people and confuses me. Right. Are they the first man and woman and then God made more of them, or they had sex and sex and sex and like damn rabbits? Uh, I will say that. Um, I believe that there is a historical Adam and Eve uh -huh. who are the first human beings. Okay. Uh, now, I can get real deep and carried away with this conversation with, about Adam and Eve. But, uh, so that brings in a lot of questions. Uh, like, do, do I believe in evolution? Uh -huh. I do believe in evolution. Okay. Uh, I believe that, um, uh, you know, um, um, I believe that there were probably, um, you know, other species that uh, predated Adam and Eve. Um, but uh, one, one, when you look at like Charles Darwin's theories of evolution, one of the things that happened for Charles Darwin is that uh, he began to doubt his own theories toward the end of his life mm -hmm. because uh, he recognized sort of uh, a gap in evolutionary history that didn't seem to line up with the timetable he expected to see. If things evolved, if species evolved from, you know, sort of one, you know, species to the next uh, in sort of a predictable pattern, uh, you know, then, you know, a certain timetable would hold. What he discovered in his theories of evolution is that, you know, around, you know, maybe about, uh, I think maybe it's something like uh, a million or so years ago uh -huh. that uh, the human species took a dr drastic leap, evolutionary leap forward. Something almost, in my belief, divine happened uh, uh, around a million or so years ago that I believe is evidence of uh, God's fingerprints uh, in the uh, creation of ev evolutionary history. Yeah. Okay. What's yeah, going on in your seminary? I, uh, I think they they have um, there are two two theological perspectives that that many are still. I mean, they have conversation debate this topic um, for the past I know 30, 40 plus years uh, on is Genesis one um, is Genesis one and Genesis two is that the same Adam and Eve? Uh -huh. um, that's just kind of a, a. I don't think you can find a consensus on um, on uh, if it's a definite that Adam and Eve and Genesis 1 and 2 are the same. Um, so there's this conversation about uh, is Genesis 1 because there was a, um, a belief that um, come let us make man in our image and our likeness and he blessed them and told them be fruitful and multiply. And in Genesis chapter number 2 he creates Adam. There was no Eve there. And then he places Adam in the garden, having a covenant and a conversation with him. 
and things like that. While in Genesis 1, these beings in which he created, who was called man, mm -hmm. which is mankind, is going out and repopulating the earth. Henceforth, the reason why in Genesis chapter number 4, Cain would make a suggestion and say, if I leave here, that they're going to kill me. Mm -hmm. Right? So the question is, in theological circles, well, who are the they he's talking about? If it's only Adam and Eve and um, their children, which they only had at the time, is Seth, Cain, and Abel. But we know uh, Cain slew Abel, and now it's only Cain. What well, Cain gets banished, and Seth is is there. So um, that's the the conversation. I, I don't. Again, I don't think that you'll find uh, anybody to just say you know or find a con consensus of amount of scholars that really believe uh, overall that both that Cain and Abel, that Adam and Eve were the only ones. Now, when you start getting into the New Testament, the conversation about it and the statement is that, you know, Adam was created first. This type of conversation, scholars will say that that Adam that he's talking about is the Adam he made the covenant with, who he placed in the garden okay. and told to till the garden and, and Adam and Eve, which one birth. So for me, um, it's a conversation that's a good co talk conversation. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a salvation issue, um, but um, it's it's good 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 research. Yeah, because that'd be a lot of incest. I do right. think which is sinful. You think you think so? I, it it I does a, matter to me. Okay, it matters, it matters to me theologically for for a number of reasons. Uh, because that'd be incest, though. The, the, if they well, did not, it that way, it's not the incest. It's not the incest. That uh, that's not even a big issue for me. The issue is what does it mean to be human, and uh. and, and where does the human story begin? Gotcha. Right, right. And and for me, what I believe happens for Adam and Eve is that Adam and Eve, the historical Adam and Eve were the first beings with spiritual consciousness. Okay. Um, and, and, and aware and, of and, a God. Uh, like, yeah, aware, aware of a Aware God. of Everything. a moral vision. Okay. Uh, aware of free will. Hmm. Right, and right. That, that, I think that's the, 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 the sort of evolution that the story of Genesis gets at. Yeah, okay. I think it would have to be yeah. a free will aspect because he gives them the instruction of what not to do mm -hmm. and he placed them there so yeah i, I get where you where you're going yeah. at on that okay. um i got a sort of piggyback question off of will's question as well as um our caller in the beginning eric how do you all handle when skepticism is brought to you all because i know like for me my pastor tells us you know um try the spirit also do your own research and take it up between you and God. So like, how do you all counsel those that bring to you skepticism that are looking for that clear cut, I need a definitive black and white answer? Like, how do you all counsel them on that? Um, uh, well, I, I sort of, you know, I'm, I'm 38, uh, you know, I'm a millennial. Uh, I sort of built my, my ministry around being able to answer the, the, the valid questions that people my age had about religion. So I spent years, you know, reading everything, reading Darwin, read, reading Sigmund Freud, reading reading everybody who had, you know, kind of a, a skeptical perspective about what religion is mm -hmm. so that I could kind of, you know, respond in conversation with all of these uh, sort of these, you know, uh, schools of thought about, you know, what, what religion is. So when somebody comes to me with skepticism, you know, I'm, you know, I, I sit down and had a conversation with y'all. We, we can talk about it. We can go, you know, look at some some authors. We can look at some, you know, uh, uh, some, some different perspectives. Uh, and then at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, I'm comfortable agreeing to disagree. You know, we, we, we don't have to see how to you know, We can all have our own perspective on the issue. 
Yeah, I, I think skepticism is good. I think we all have a, a healthy skeptical uh, perspective. I think this um, the subject of conversation um, that may come up um, about questions about the Bible. I mean, we, you get it all the time because you have the the internet. Of course, is is it's a gift and a curse. Um, but there's so much stuff out there to where uh, people are listening to all types of people. Yeah. So most of the time, they'll come with a question about something that they've heard somebody teaching or or something like that. And I think that the the best response and the best answer and the best way to handle a skeptic question, if you don't know, to say, I don't know. Yeah, that's I think true. that's yeah. the best. And most leaders yeah. don't want to do that because sometimes we tend to feel like we have to know everything, mm -hmm. right? But if it's something that we do know, I think it's having the conversation, sitting down, looking at it. If it's something that, that I think that is major, um, and I think we all have to look at the, the, the topic, then do the research on it. If you don't have the research, or if you already have the research, I think it's something that should be brought before um, the elders or whatnot, and then talk about it and see if there's a need to have a conversation you know, with, with, with the congregation and teach on that uh, perspective. Because sometimes um, there could be something that, that comes from one person that they're dealing with, and then when you end up, um, you know, following the Holy Spirit and really teaching it, you'll find out there's more people in the congregation that have kind of been skeptical about it. So I think when someone comes to you with a question, I think it's important to look at it and sit down with that individual. And if it's something that's big, then address it, you know, on the floor. So I think I think it's good to have I, I think it's good to have skeptics in your church, though. You hey, need fellas, them. hey, fellas, brothers, pastors, thank y'all. Thank y'all once again for, yes, for, for, for these conversations. Thank you guys, man. These are the yes, conversations that we got to have and got to continue to have. Oh, so, yeah, most definitely. Um, with that being said, where can we find y'all? Where can they find y'all? Where can the world find y'all if they want to come? What time y'all preaching this Sunday? Uh, 11 a.m. Sunday morning. Location? Uh, Hill First Baptist Church, 205 North Pope Street, Athens, Georgia. We'd love to have y'all worship with us. Yeah, we have uh, our service on tomorrow. Uh, it will be a 9.30 Bible study, 11 a.m. Uh, worship service. Uh, we are located uh, 740 North Glen Street, uh, Fayetteville, Georgia, uh, Suite F. Um, in Georgia, if you are calling outside of Georgia or listening outside of Georgia uh, and you're in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, we have an assembly there. If you're in Akron, Ohio, we have a congregation there as well. And if you're in Houston, just email us if you're listening and you're outside of Atlanta. Email us at boomchurch.com. I-N-T, that's I as in Indiana, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, at gmail.com, and we can point you to uh, a place of worship in maybe in your city. Um, and you can also look us up on YouTube. You can check us out at Boom Church uh, on YouTube. What time those services ending now? Huh? <laughs> what time those services ending? That's what black people really want to know. Well, <laughs> we, we end at 11. We out by 12.15, my brother. 12.15? Yes, Ain't no games. Probably could do that. Hey, yeah. man, you don't want to. Hey, still, bro. Still. What time What time y'all yeah. getting? We, 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 we have our service about two hours. Two hours? Yeah. Okay. That, that's How can they time. find you, Pastor do, John? Do, do uh, I'm on Facebook uh, at uh, John Menefee, J-O-H-N-M-E-N-E-F-E-E, -E -E, uh, and Instagram, uh, ForeverJD2019. All right. Yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on uh, uh, Instagram. You can find me at It's Majors. That's I T S M A J O R S. 
Uh, you can also find me on Facebook if you're friends with Rick Kang on Facebook. Uh, you can find me. I'm under William Brown uh, on Facebook or just search Believers of One Messiah uh, or Boom Church uh, in your Google search and all the social medias will come up. And what time y'all on tomorrow? Uh, here? Oh, here? Oh, we're here on here at 4 p.m. Hmm. Yep, we're on here at 4 p.m. Well, fellas, it's about that time. And we, like I say, once again, we thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all. And we, thank we'll you, have y'all back. Appreciate it. Um, It's about that time to sweep the flow, clean the clippers. Miss Aisha. <laughs> Hello. The bathroom is yours. <laughs> the shop is closed. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking randomies, talking random, we're talking randomies, talking random, hey, they're coming one and all into the barbershop where the conversation's right. Talking